Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of Vice. It's Wednesday, August 1st. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, we're talking about weed legalization in Massachusetts and how one Boston neighborhood is fighting to define what recreational marijuana will look like in their community. Massachusetts began the process of legalizing weed in November 2016. And since then, the state has been collecting applications for marijuana dispensaries, labs, research facilities, and other related businesses. But when one man applied to open a high-end weed dispensary in the diverse, working-class neighborhood of Dorchester, residents got really mad. Vice reporter Ankita Rao was at the community hearing about the proposed business earlier this month. I sat down with Ankita to talk about this meeting and about how the new and growing business of weed in America can sometimes just feel like another big business threatening the place that you live. I started by asking Ankita, why did this meeting get so heated so fast? It wasn't the fact that people did not believe in decriminalizing marijuana or necessarily believe in legal weed. A lot of them did. But the dispensary was going to be on a quiet sort of residential street where kids play in a neighborhood where they've suffered from lots of drug abuse. Recently, the same residents had fought to sort of shut down a bar and a restaurant with the liquor license because they're dealing with so many drug and alcohol issues. And to them, this was kind of one more thing that they were going to have to deal with and something that they weren't consulted about to begin with. What does the data show regarding this debate in similar communities in other states where weed has already been legalized? Have those communities seen the negative impacts that the Dorchester residents are worried about? Have they seen benefits, both? Yeah, definitely both. I mean, decriminalizing marijuana is largely a good thing in the sense that there are fewer incarcerations, um, people sort of wrongfully put in jail for minor drug crimes. Usually the crime level drops in the neighborhoods where dispensary opens. In L.A., there was a um, study that showed when dispensaries shut down, the crime levels actually went up. So there's that side of it. And of course, the taxes and the revenue that can come from marijuana sales and legalization can be put back into the state, which we've seen in Colorado, where part of the education system is now funded by the revenue from this. So those are very objectively good things to make the case that we should legalize weed. On the other hand, there's a lot of health issues that have not sort of been completely thought out yet. For example, there's more hospitalizations for weed-related issues in places where weed is legal. Um, More people go to the ER. And Dorchester has already been sending lots of people to the ER because of drug-related issues. So this would be one more thing. So what were the specific concerns related to Dorchester in particular? And do they line up with the data from other similar communities? 
I think the biggest issue that they had was one, the specific location of this dispensary was on a really quiet street, as I mentioned, with kids playing and places where they had had issues with alcohol and substance abuse before. So they weren't really ready for a marijuana shop to open up there. That didn't seem, it seemed counterintuitive to what they were trying to do with that space in their community. At the same time, there is this other data that needs to be sort of processed and understood. And I think what what I heard the most was, why didn't you come to us first? It wasn't, we don't want you here at all. It wasn't, you know, like, we are against the idea. It's, why haven't you involved the community from the beginning in this process? Like, we know our community best. And I think that that sort of plays out in so many different aspects. And within the weed debate, there are some pretty complicated dynamics where people of color have been historically disproportionately arrested and incarcerated on weed-related charges. But with legalization, it's largely been white people who are profiting financially from marijuana. And what's interesting is that the Massachusetts policy actually acknowledges these dynamics and said outright that it was designed to at least in part address disparities in who profits off of legalization What does that actually look like, and has it been successful at all? I think that we don't know yet because the policy is very nascent and none of this has played out in the state. But in Chelsea, for example, which is a small city outside of Boston, which has a similar community as the one in Dorchester, but more vulnerable actually to socioeconomic issues, one of the dispensaries that's opening there, first of all, is in an industrial area, um, so it's not sort of a disturbance to the neighborhood, and also is going to be employing people who were formerly incarcerated for drug issues and people from the community itself. Um, so a good amount of the money and the ownership of that is going directly into the community, and the revenue, of course, is also going, hopefully, directly into the community. So I think that there are models of this that work. And when that Massachusetts policy is applied that way, all signs point to it working out. So yeah, I don't I don't think it's a black and white issue here. Absolutely. And before we wrap up, I want to talk about rent. Since gentrification is such a huge concern for residents of Dorchester and other similar communities in Boston and around the United States, How have dispensaries affected the housing market in similar neighborhoods in other states? Again, it's hard to sort of make a oranges to oranges comparison here, because if you look at the states that legalize marijuana first, that we have a lot of data on, Oregon and Colorado, these are actually much more white states than Massachusetts is. um, And Boston is actually a lot more diverse than a lot of the cities like Denver, et cetera, where we could grab some data from. So in that case, I would just hesitate to sort of say we know what's going to happen. From some of those studies, we've seen that housing prices go up in areas with dispensaries. But that's kind of similar to a coffee shop. Like these are high-end dispensaries producing not sort of like cheap, regular weed, but sort of this artisanal weed similar to a really nice brewery or a really nice coffee shop. And it's hard to make the case that that isn't gentrification. In the places where these aren't owned by residents um, in that community, I think the effect is probably a lot like gentrification in that the people who are going to come and use it are people from other communities. 
it wouldn't be a stretch to say that this might feed into the gentrification issue. And if property values go up around it, it could benefit some of the sort of longstanding residents who have had ownership of the homes before, but it will probably not benefit those with unstable housing who are already struggling to meet their rent every month. And if dispensaries are owned by outsiders, like the proposed dispensary in Dorchester, what are some of the ways that profits could get channeled back to this local community rather than sort of going into the state and then not knowing where those profits end up? There's really not a ton of control that anyone has over that. The revenue that Massachusetts is hoping to make will be allocated just like any other budget in the state. So it's not, you know, just because the dispensary is in one area that that area will benefit. There's no sort of direct impact like that unless they incorporate the residents to begin with. So there isn't really a way to tell other than um, hoping that the state has prioritized areas that need it the most. As legalization rolls out, in Massachusetts. What can we learn from what's happening in Dorchester and places like Chelsea? What we're seeing in these sort of early cases, like the ones in Dorchester and Chelsea, is going to hopefully inform the way that it rolls out from now on. Um, I think people will learn from the fact that communities need to be involved really early on for them to have a smooth process. And I think that benefits everybody. You know, this dispensary owner, Ben, I think he was very open to the discussion. And I think he, you know, when I talked to him, he was very respectful of the community. So I don't think he had a sort of malicious intent to go in there and do whatever he wanted. But I do think that involving the residents much earlier on just will help everyone. And as this happens across the state, I think a lot of people will find that that's going to be the smoother process. For more information, go to vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.